We read the Holy Scriptures together this morning in the book of Micah, chapters 4 and 5. We begin in chapter 4 and read through chapter 5, verse 4. Notice as we are reading chapter 4, the blessings that will come in the time of the Messiah. And then in chapter 5, the text for the sermon will be verse 2, concerning the birthplace of the Messiah. Micah 4, verse 1. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk, every one, in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever and ever. In that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, why dost thou cry aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel, for he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass. And thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, 
that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Thus far we read God's holy word. We consider together especially verse 2 of chapter 5, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, Micah was a prophet of the Lord from the town of Moresheth Gath in the southern kingdom of Judah, who lived during the days of kings Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah in the southern kingdom. Therefore, Micah lived during the very same time and labored in the very same tribe as the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah and Micah were contemporaries. It was in those days that the northern kingdom was breathing its last breath, so to speak, and was about to be carried off into captivity in Assyria. But the southern kingdom was not in much better shape. It was also declining spiritually away from the Lord, their God. God raised up Micah and Isaiah to prophesy both words of destruction upon the wicked in the kingdom and words of salvation for the people of God through a ruler who would arise out of the house of David. Micah called Israel to hear the words of the Lord. You can divide the book of Micah into three main sections, and in each of those sections he begins by calling upon his readers to hear the word of the Lord. Our text is in the second of those three sections, And in this section, Micah calls out especially to the wicked leaders in the southern kingdom in his days. He speaks to the wicked heads of the tribe of Judah, of the families and clans of Judah. He speaks to the priests and the prophets who loved evil and hated good, who perverted justice and abhorred equity who used and abused the people for their own selfish ends. He also speaks to the wicked leaders in the northern kingdom. And he says in verse 6 of chapter 1, I will make Samaria a heap of ruins, referring to the capital of the northern kingdom. But he says about Zion, the capital of the southern kingdom, in chapter 3, verse 12, Zion shall be plowed like a field and become a heap of rubble. Dreadful words. But God also inspired both Isaiah and Micah to speak the gospel of peace by prophesying salvation through a ruler who would come from the house of David. 
we have read about that salvation in chapter 4. That in the last days, the days of the Messiah, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. It shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow into it. Many nations shall come into Mount Zion. And those nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and there will be peace in the midst of Zion. But Micah also prophesies that the daughter of Zion must first pass through a time of great travail. He pictures the daughter of Zion in the second half of chapter 4 as a woman in travail, a woman who is with child, who is about to give birth, who must pass through that period of pregnancy with all of its travail and pain that finally ends in the giving of birth to a child. We find that same image in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, where John sees a vision of a woman in travail who is travailing in pain to give birth to a child. And that woman refers to the daughter of Zion, to the church in the Old Testament. And John sees in that vision that a great red dragon is waiting by the woman, poised to devour her child as soon as he is born. So Micah prophesies in chapter 4 that the daughter of Zion, the church of the Old Testament, must first pass through a time of travail, a time of suffering, a time of pain. There's going to be a siege around Jerusalem, and the enemy will surround the walls and gates of the city, and they will suffer inside the city until finally they are carried off into captivity in Babylon, where they will weep by the rivers of Babylon. They must pass through a time, they didn't know it, but it would be hundreds of years in which there would be intense hostility from all of the pagan nations against the daughter of Zion until at last she would be able to bring forth her child who was destined to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Then Micah turns in chapter 5. He turns his attention from Zion and the daughter of Zion. And as it were, he looks to the south. He looks about five miles to the south. And he says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And I call your attention to that text under the theme, A Ruler to Come Out of Bethlehem, Ephratah. Notice, first of all, the birthplace of the prophesied ruler. In the second place, his origin in the days of eternity. And in the third place, his birth in fulfillment of the prophecy. Looking at Bethlehem, Micah says, speaking to the inhabitants of Bethlehem, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. There could be no doubt to the first readers of this prophecy that Micah was speaking of the Messiah, and he was prophesying the birthplace 
of the Messiah, that it would be the little town of Bethlehem, Ephratah, in the tribe of Judah. There was another Bethlehem in the land of Israel, but it was in the north. It was in the tribe of Zebulun. It is a much less well-known town. But in distinction from that town in the north, Micah calls attention to Bethlehem, Ephratah. Ephratah being just another name for Bethlehem, Judah. It was the ancient name of that same town that became known as Bethlehem, the house of bread, Bethlehem, Judah. There had been many other prophecies that had come before this one from Micah, prophecies of the coming of a Messiah. In fact, Jacob himself, who was the father of all the Israelites, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, was one of those prophets who, when he was very old, he prophesied when he was in Egypt that the scepter of royalty would not depart from the tribe of Judah until Shiloh comes. And when Shiloh comes, he will take hold of that royal scepter and he will reign forevermore. Isaiah prophesied in the same days as Micah. And he spoke of a virgin who would conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And that this child would come forth like a sprout out of the roots and the stump of Jesse, Jesse being the father of David. Isaiah prophesied that Emmanuel, this Shiloh, this Messiah, would rise up out of the house of David, out of the tribe of Judah, and he would be a great king in Israel. Now Micah, who lived in the very same days as Isaiah, speaks of a ruler to rise up out of Bethlehem Ephrathah. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Micah says, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, though you are just a small town, an insignificant little town in the midst of the great and the mighty clans and families of the tribe of Judah, you are nothing much to account of in the midst of Judah, yet... Out of you, Bethlehem, you who were the birthplace of my servant David, you in which David was born and raised, you who became the city of David in that sense, David, the great king of Israel, out of you will come forth to me a ruler in Israel. You, Bethlehem, will be the birthplace of the Messiah the greatest ruler whom Israel has ever seen who will bring salvation and peace to my people. That's the prophecy of Micah in our text. Micah refers to the Messiah who will be born in Bethlehem as a ruler in Israel. This ruler would be the one whom God would choose and appoint and raise up in the midst of Bethlehem to deliver his people from the hand of their enemies round about them. Remember, Israel was living in times of great turmoil. There were great 
powerful enemies all around them, Assyria, Babylon, Egypt, and many other nations. But God promised to raise up a ruler in the midst of Bethlehem to deliver his people from all their enemies. We read about that in chapter 4. That he would beat them in pieces, which calls to mind Psalm 2, which speaks of the coming Messiah as one who will dash in pieces the enemies of God and his Christ as a potter's vessel who would utterly destroy all of God's enemies. But he will also deliver his people from the enemies within the gate. We also saw in our introduction that in the days of Micah and Isaiah, there were wicked leaders in the land. These were days of spiritual declension. The priests, the prophets, the kings were people who took advantage of the children of God. They flayed their skin, Micah says. They devoured them. They chomped on their bones. They oppressed them and used and abused them for their own selfish ends. These were the leaders in the land in those days. But Micah says, out of Bethlehem, a ruler will rise up who will bring salvation to God's people. He will not be selfish like these men. He will be a ruler who brings salvation and blessing to God's people. We read that in the days of this ruler, chapter 4, verse 4, the people of God will sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. And all people will walk, everyone, in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. That's what the Messiah will do. He will deliver us out of the hands of wicked men, wicked leaders without, and wicked leaders within the church. He will bring blessing and salvation. Notice that Micah refers to him as a ruler in Israel or a ruler over Israel. And there, Micah pictures one nation, one kingdom, even though he was living in the days of the divided kingdom. Israel was divided into north and south, and the hostility between them was intense. And yet, Micah says that the Messiah who comes from Bethlehem will be a ruler over all Israel. This is a ruler who will heal the breach in the church, who will heal the division between those who are brethren in the Lord Jesus Christ, who belong together in the same kingdom, under the same king, and he will rule over them as one kingdom and one nation for all eternity. But he will not merely rule over ethnic Israel. He will not merely be a Jewish king for the Jewish people, because we also read in chapter 4 that the nations would flow into Mount Zion. Yes, the nations of Assyria, Babylon, Egypt, and all the others. These heathen, hostile enemies of Israel will be humbled in the days of the Messiah. They will humble themselves. They will flow into the church. They will come to Christ. They will seek the Lord as their king. They will take their swords with which they shed the blood of God's people and they will beat them in the fires 
of the blacksmith until they turn into plowshares. They will take their spears in which they stabbed the people of God and they will beat them into pruning hooks, farming tools, so that these will be days of peace. These will be days of prosperity. There will be no more war. Nation will not rise against nation anymore. But there will be peace in the kingdom of heaven forever and ever. This Messiah will be one who brings together nations and kindreds and tongues and men and women from all across the world, even as many as the Lord our God shall call according to his eternal decree of predestination. He will gather them all into one church, into one kingdom. And so we read about this ruler from Bethlehem, that he will be great, verse 4, even unto the ends of the earth. Thou Bethlehem Ephratah, Micah says, out of thee shall come forth unto me this great ruler, this Messiah. What a privilege will be given to you, thou little town. And Micah reveals something amazing about this ruler who will come out of Bethlehem. He says about him that his goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Micah is speaking about the origins of this ruler, and he teaches us that the origin of this ruler does not lie in the future. It does not lie in the little town of Bethlehem where he will be born in the future. But the origin of this child lies in the past. This ruler has his goings forth of old, of everlasting. This ruler has been going forth from ancient times who will be born in the little town of Bethlehem. He will not first go forth when he is born in Bethlehem, but he has first been going forth from ancient times. And what does Micah mean by that? Well, he means in the first place that the goings forth of this messianic ruler who was to come have been in the messianic prophecies of old. That first of all. His goings forth have been from the words that God gave to his prophets of his coming. His goings forth have been from the words of Isaiah, who prophesied that a virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. That's the origin of this ruler in Israel. But it goes back farther than Isaiah. It goes back to the promise that God spoke to David. When he said to David, your son will always sit on the throne in Jerusalem. He will reign forever and ever. But his origin goes back even farther than that. It goes back to aged Jacob sitting there in Egypt at the end of his life, prophesying that the scepter will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. And unto him will the gathering of the people be. 
goes back even farther than Jacob. It goes back to the very dawn of history when God himself first announced the promise of the Savior to Adam and Eve after they fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. When he said that the woman will bring forth a child and that child will bruise the head of the serpent and bring salvation to his people. The origin of this child lies in the ancient times, all the way back to the dawn of time. The goings forth of the Messiah have been from of old. But that's not going back far enough. Because Micah says that the goings forth, the origin of this ruler who will be born in Bethlehem, is from everlasting. The origin of this ruler is literally, in the Hebrew, from the days of eternity. That's the meaning of that word everlasting. His goings forth have been from the days of eternity. And that Hebrew word for eternity has the idea of endlessness, the idea of timelessness, the idea of continuousness. His goings forth are from the days of timelessness, the days of endlessness and continuousness of eternity. Now what are the days of eternity? The days of eternity are like, unlike any of the days we have ever experienced. Because all of the days that we have experienced have begun with the morning and ended with the night, and they amount to 24 hours. All of the days we have experienced come and they go. All of our days are days of time, not days of eternity. But he speaks of the origin of the Messiah as being in the days of eternity, timelessness. These are not the days of man, but these are the days of God. Because only God is eternal. God revealed himself to Moses as, I am that I am. As the God who had no beginning and no end, the God who was, is, and is to come. He reveals himself as the God who is above time, who is outside of time who does not exist within the ever-flowing stream of time like we do. He is the creator of time. He always was. He has no beginning. He is the one who by his creative word brought forth time and set in motion the days of time as we know it. But he dwells in the days of eternity. And he alone dwells in the days of eternity. We cannot comprehend what the days of eternity are because we are creatures who live in the days of time. All that we can really comprehend is morning and evening, morning and evening, those kinds of days. We are bound within the unbreakable bonds of time. We can't even think outside of those bonds and those bounds. Micah says, the ruler from Bethlehem, Ephrata, has his goings forth in those days of eternity.
This is no ordinary king whom Micah prophesies is going to come. This is not a king like any of the kings the people had ever experienced or seen before. This is a king who comes from the days of eternity. Isaiah spoke of him as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Micah says, he's a ruler who comes from eternity. That means that the origin of this ruler who was to be born in Bethlehem is somewhere before the beginning of the world. Somewhere before the creation of time. In other words, his origin is somewhere in the very being of God. The origin of this ruler is, first of all, in the decree of God. When Micah says his origins are from old, from ancient times, from eternity, he means his origin is in the eternal counsel of God. God, before the foundation of the world, had his eternal counsel, and in that counsel, he willed that this child, this ruler, would be born in Bethlehem. Notice that Micah says that out of Bethlehem shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Don't miss that little phrase, unto me. Micah is not saying this ruler is coming unto me, but Micah is speaking as the voice of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, this ruler shall come forth unto me, God says. He is going to be my ruler who will do my will who will accomplish my plan, who will realize my kingdom and my glory forever and ever. This is God's Messiah. His origin is in the eternal decree of God. But that's not all. His origin is in the eternal being of God. His goings forth, his origin, where did he come from? Where did he come from? The person of this ruler personally has his origin in the very nature of God. He is God. That's what Micah is saying. The ruler who is to be born is none other than the mighty God, the everlasting Father. The Lord of hosts himself is going to come down into the world and be born in Bethlehem. What a glorious prophecy. And what a comforting prophecy for the people of God who lived in those days of turmoil and anxiety, wars and the the rumors and threat of wars, and wicked kings and prophets and priests, priests who are flaying their skin off of them, who are stamping them under their feet. Micah says, a ruler is coming. God himself, he will save you. He will bring salvation and blessing and glory. But, Micah says, daughter of Zion, that's the prophecy. That's your hope. That's your comfort in the present. 
but you must first pass through a time of great travail. This ruler is not going to come tomorrow. Micah is prophesying the Messiah that is going to come in the future, in the last days. But he says, between now and the last days, daughter of Zion, you must pass through a time of travail. You are like a woman with child. and You must pass through the time of travail, of pain, of sorrow, before you bring forth this ruler who is destined to rule the nations with a rod of iron. But we don't live in the days of Micah. We live in the last days. And I have the great privilege of preaching to you this morning, beloved, the glad tidings of great joy that are unto all people because unto us has been born in the city of David this Savior, whom we know is Jesus Christ the Lord. Some people, some of the Jews who heard Jesus preaching in Jerusalem during one of the feast days, said, This is the Christ. But others said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? John 7, verse 42. Yes, the scriptures do say that. They do say that Christ should come from the line of David and from the town of Bethlehem. And Jesus is from the line of David. And Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem. For Caesar Augustus made a decree that all the world should be taxed and that everyone must go to his own town. And therefore Joseph and Mary, Mary being great with child, left Nazareth and they traveled down to Bethlehem because they were of the house and lineage of David. And it was while they were there, the scripture says in Luke 2, that the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It was while they were there, where? In Bethlehem, that she brought forth her firstborn son. And it was shortly after that that wise men, magi, came from the east. And they traveled the long distance, but they went to Jerusalem. And they walked through the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And the people brought them to the palace, to Herod, who was the king, who was a wicked ruler, who, like the wicked rulers of old, selfishly flayed the skin of the people for his own selfish ends. And as the wise men stood before Herod, 
asking where was the Messiah who was to be born because we've seen his star and Herod consulted with the scribes and they said that Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. For thus it is written by the prophet. And there in Matthew 2 we find that as they consulted the scriptures of old, they said right here, Micah 5 verse 2. There's the prophecy. Christ is to be born in Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. So the wise men got up and they traveled the five-mile journey from Jerusalem down to the little town of Bethlehem. And there they found the babe with his parents. And they brought him their gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they worshipped him. And they rejoiced. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And who is Jesus, really? For that, we have to turn to John 1, where we learn that he was in the beginning with God, and he was God. All things were made by him, and there is not anything that was made that he didn't make. Or as the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1, Jesus is before all things, and by him all things consist. His goings forth have been from of old. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou art little among all the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee came forth unto me Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of David, the ruler in Israel. Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, whose goings forth have been from everlasting. He is the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father within the Holy Trinity. But he has come down from heaven. He has come into history. He has been born in Bethlehem and he has gone forth from Bethlehem, Ephrata. But he did not come down into this world to be a ruler here on earth. He did not come in order to dash and smash into pieces with that rod of iron. Herod the Great, Caesar Augustus, Pontius Pilate, and all the other enemies of God's people. He did not come to wage war and accomplish victory by the brute force of the steel sword. But he came down from heaven to earth to be a ruler in the most extraordinary way by humbling himself, taking on the form of a servant and suffering much greater pain than the daughter of Zion ever suffered in all of her travails, in all of her sufferings of the siege and the exile and the hostility of the nations. This ruler came down to suffer the greatest travail, to tread the path of suffering. And that path began in Bethlehem. There was no room for him there. He was rejected. He was born in the midst of the animals and the stench of the manger and the stables 
because he came to be a ruler in Israel by treading the path that led from Bethlehem to the old rugged cross and to give himself, to give himself as a sacrifice for God's people. Not to crush and dash in pieces the enemies of the Jews with that steel sword, but to give himself into the hands of his enemies and to go as a sheep before the slaughter, as a lamb before her shears, opening not his mouth, so that by giving himself into the hands of his enemies, he might give himself up on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of all God's people throughout all the ages and nations of the world. He did come to be a ruler in Israel, to deliver us from our enemies without and our enemies within, but he did it by giving his life for us to save us from all our sins. Because when he saved us from our sins, he broke the chains of the devil and he broke the chains of all our enemies so that no one has a right to us. No one has power over us. We belong now to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And as Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, he is our peace, who hath broken down the middle wall of partition. He has broken down by his blood all divisions, all hostilities, all enmities that might exist between God's elect. He is the ruler over Israel, the one nation, the one kingdom, the one people. And even though in this life we cause so much problem, so much division, yet Christ came to gather together in one all of God's elect in the one body of Christ. And that he will perfect in the world to come. He is the ruler in Israel in whose days the nations flow into Zion. By his blood, he has also broken down the middle wall that blocked Jews and Gentiles, that divided Israel from the nations. That wall has been crushed by the blood of the cross so that now from all nations, the elect flow into the church beating their swords into plowshares. And there is peace between Jews and Gentiles only in the church of Jesus Christ. And having arisen from the dead and ascended into heaven, he rules now at God's right hand over Israel. We don't have to wait for some future kingdom on earth. The kingdom is now. The reign of Christ is now over the true Israel of God's elect people in all nations. He rules in our hearts, not like the wicked rulers of old. He rules by sweetly, softly, yet powerfully bending our hearts, minds, and wills by his word and spirit so that we bow the knee to King Jesus, so that we fall down before him and we give all glory to Christ, our Lord and King. And he rules over the nations in such a way that by the rod of his power, they're not able to do harm to us. 
He protects us from all the raging of the nations and the devil and the ungodly around us so that within the church there is peace in Jesus Christ. So, beloved, as we celebrate the season of the birth of Christ, let us not be afraid. This is a season to be reminded that we have nothing to fear in this world. We don't have to be afraid of the ungodly powers around us, the visible and the invisible. Let us rather believe in the glad tidings of great joy, which are unto us and unto all people. We serve the ruler from Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And let us then live peaceably with one another, as much as possible, as Paul exhorts us. For all together we Christians serve one king, one lord, one ruler. Let us beat our swords into plowshares. Let us beat our spears into pruning hooks. And rather than fighting against brothers, let us rather be productive in the the farming of the kingdom of God. And finally, let us rejoice that we live in the last days in which the nations are flowing into Zion, into the church, through the worldwide preaching of the gospel in missions. As we speak, in our very time, this prophecy is being fulfilled until the last one of God's children flows into the kingdom, and then the king will return, and he will reign over us in perfect peace in that place where we will know no sin and no pain and no war forevermore. Amen. Our gracious God and Father, we give thanks to thee for the glorious prophecies of old as they have been fulfilled now in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We give thanks to thee for the gift of faith to lay hold upon the ruler from Bethlehem, Ephrathah, and to find in him our joy, our peace, our comfort in the midst of a world that continues to rage. We pray, Lord, that thou would give us the joy of the Lord and give unto us thankful hearts that we've been gathered into the one church that we might live with love and peace towards one another and that we might be very zealous in the work of the Lord in the gathering of the nations into the church.